The Pens of Gagerish, written by Karen Jackson, a Menagerie Press production. Boda Lionstride stood before Captain Strove, a hobgoblin of the Choctawed. A mountain of a man, Boda loomed over the captain seated at his desk. Boda had been in Gagerish for so long now that hobgoblins didn't seem strange to him. The captain's greyish skin, black hair, yellow eyes, and broad, flattened features were a familiar sight. He wouldn't call Stroth a friend, but they had worked together in the past without it devolving into conflict. Besides, Boda assumed his own sharp features, blue eyes, and red hair were just as strange to the hobgoblin. Stroth's office was made of dark grey stone, with a single window overlooking the sprawl of Gagerish. Oil lamps provided what light the dim winter daylight didn't. There was a rug on the floor in an attempt to stave off the creeping cold, but Boda shivered anyway. He never felt warm in this city. A huge desk occupied the center of the office, with Stroth in his creaking wooden chair behind it. By the door stood a pair of hobgoblin guards armed with swords, whom Boda ignored but was keenly aware of. You wanted to see me? Captain Stroth leaned back in his chair. Lion Stride, you've been useful to the Choctaw in the past. As you know, running a city like Gagish occasionally relies on the usefulness of our friends. Boda arched an eyebrow? Friends? Stroth was laying it on thick. This was bound to be good. I do what I can to help maintain law and order. Of course. Your family were lawkeepers before their unfortunate fall from grace. Boda merely nodded. Strott's gaze was shrewd upon Boda. Something has come up. A delicate matter. Something the Choctaw can't get involved in. Not directly, anyway. I'm all ears, Captain. Stroth tilted his head. Do you know who the Wandenders are? They're a merchant family from Moorhaven. Rich, elite, plagued by bad luck. Everyone knows about the Wandenders. Stroth nodded. I'll get right to it. A ten day ago, Elias Wandender was arrested and put into slavery. Such is the law of Gagewish. What did he do? He used what little magical talent he has to set a tavern on fire when they refused to serve him on account of how he was already staggering drunk. Not very becoming behavior for a wandener. He's in fool. An embarrassment. The hobgoblin sighed. But he's still a wandener. And due to a string of unfortunate deaths in the family, he's set to inherit everything when their old mate Riark finally kicks off. That's unfortunate. In what way does this become my business? Stroth sat up slowly and steepled his thick fingers. The brat broke the law. We can't ignore that. However, his family holds a lot of influence in Gagish, and they are threatening to make things difficult if we don't fix this. Boda shifted his stance, moving his bulk from one foot to the other. Why don't they just buy him back? They're a proud family and anti-slavery. If they buy him back, they're seen as condoning slavery while admitting his guilt. They're demanding we make it right while they present the appearance of being above it all. Boda snorted. 
and you can't tell them to rot in a thousand hells because because of the aforementioned influence they hold in Gajuish. Right. And we can't just pardon him, because the Choctaw must be seen as upholding the law, regardless of who broke it. No one can know we're connected to this at all. Which is why you can't deal with this yourself. Rurgar reached into a drawer in his desk and took out a small coffer, which he set down before Bode. It clinked when it made contact with the desk. Bode knew the sound of coin when he heard it. Buy him back. Set him free. You'll get paid. And since I know you're no fan of slavery either, I'll sweeten the pot with a chance for you to feel moral, or whatever it is that motivates you noble types. Bodor almost let slip a sardonic smile. Almost. I'm listening. There are prisoners under the keep that are due for the auction block. Choose two to assist you. You'll be winning their freedom if they agree to help you. Boda did like the idea of sparing a couple souls from a life of servitude and bondage. He hated that Gagerish indulged in slavery, but hobgoblins didn't tend to care about human sensibilities. There wasn't a lot a single man like Boda could do about it, but wherever he could thwart it, he tried. Two freed prisoners was a start. All right. But why do I need help buying a slave? He's being kept at a compound owned by the Wolfhide clan. They're touchy about outsiders. Touchy? They might not sell him to you. What am I supposed to do then? Stroth shrugged. You'll have two criminals with you. Figure it out. Boda pinched the bridge of his nose. So we buy him or steal him? Stroth nodded. Whatever gets him free of the Wolf Hyde clan. In order to uphold law and order. Stroth smiled, his sharp teeth yellowish and crooked. To uphold the appearance of law and order. Subtle difference. Boda considered his options. The coin sounded good, to be honest. His family had fallen on hard times, and it owed debts that fell upon him to pay. It's why he had worked with the chalk toweled in the past. They paid well. Keeping things stable in Gagerish was also an appealing idea. It was a hard city to live in, a massive keep built on a harsh, unforgiving step, with tents and ramshackle buildings clustered around the huge stone structure. Instability here would cost innocent lives in the form of chaos, starvation, and violence. The Wandunders might not care, but Boda did. Saving three people from a life of bondage wasn't bad, either. He didn't care for the intrigue, but he saw the sense in it. All right, I'll do it. Excellent. Stroth gestured to the guards. Take him to the dungeon. Let him pick whoever he wants. Boda inclined his head to Stroth. I won't fail, Captain. I know. You can't afford to. Boda frowned as he studied the prisoners before him. The bars of the dungeon cells separated him from about a dozen ne'er-do-wells, mostly hobgoblins. Then again, Gagerish was mostly hobgoblins. The two that caught his attention, however, 
were a halfling and a demon born. The halfling was just a small slip of a thing, the size of a child, with tapered ears and luminous brown eyes. Her skin was a natural tan, and her long brown hair was pulled back in a braid. Her clothing was tattered, and she looked like she was in sore need of a bath and a meal. The demon born was a crimson-skinned youth with golden eyes and black hair, with a pair of small curved horns on his brow and a long red tail with a black spade at the tip. Despite his demonic appearance, Boda had to admit he was good-looking, with sculpted features that could have been crafted from the realm's finest artisans. He too was dressed in rags, and he was shackled to the wall by iron chains. Even so, he managed to look bored and only somewhat put upon. Many people feared demon-born, and while this was the first Boda had ever seen face to face, he knew better than to judge a book by its cover. Thinking about his own father squandering the family's good name and plunging them into debt and infamy, Boda knew well that one couldn't help one's parentage. Still, he regarded the creature with caution. Thinking of his brother, Boda knew that sometimes the apple didn't fall far from the tree. Why is he chained? To keep the little one from escaping. Boda peered at the guard. Why not just chain her? The guard shrugged. Haven't found a restraint yet that'll hold her, but she won't leave him. Boda stroked his beard as he regarded the halfling and demon-born. And what crime did they commit to end up on their way to the auction block? Theft. Boda nodded. Theft wasn't so bad. It was bad, of course, but it wasn't murder. The halfling glared at Boda. What are you staring at? Boda smiled a little. Her spirit wasn't broken. How would you like to be free? The demon-born perked up a little, and he glanced at Boda from the corner of his eyes. The halfling shrugged. Beats where we're headed. Why? I've got a job, and after it's done, you're free to go. She narrowed her eyes. What's the catch? Boda raised his hands placatingly. No catch. I need to procure someone who's being held in a camp that isn't friendly to non-hobs. If things don't go smoothly, I need someone with a certain skill set. They say there isn't a restraint that can hold you. She shrugged. I got small wrists. I might need you to spring someone if negotiations go south. She went quiet for a moment. I don't go anywhere without him. She nodded toward the demon-born, who merely listened with interest. Boda looked to the demon-born. Yeah, what does he do? The halfling folded her arms. A little bit of this and that. He's a talker. He talks really nice. People like to listen to him. Boda arched an eyebrow. He's a talker. The demon-born's lips twitched, almost a smile. She shrugged. When he's got something to say. He's a healer, too. Blessed by Croxnar himself. Croxnar is a trickster god. When you were bleeding out, a is a healer. That's a fair point. What's your name? Odilla Diggle. And he's Zosimos Romazi. People call him Zos. The demon-born inclined his head politely to Boda, who returned the gesture. I'm Boda Lionstride. People call me Boda. Odilla's eyes widened. 
Lion stride. Are you the butcher? Boda sighed. That would be my brother. Ah, then you're the good one. Boda shrugged. I have my moments. Anyway, do we have a deal? If you run or betray me, it's back in the dungeon, and there's nothing I can do about that. If you see it through, though, you're both free to go do whatever it is you two do. The demon-born and halfling exchanged glances. He gave a small nod. Yeah, we have a deal. Try to renege and you'll get a dagger between your ribs. Boda arched a brow. I suppose I'd have it coming. He nodded to the hobgoblin guard. These two. The guard looked dubious, but he barked an order in goblin tongue at the jailer, who got out his jangling keys. The guard looked to Boda. We'll get them cleaned up. They'll meet you upstairs. With all their original gear. The guard grunted a grudging acquiescence. I look forward to working with you. It was late autumn, and it was cold enough to see one's breath in the air. The streets of Gagerish were crowded, many of them are paved. In the shadow of the keep, tents and ramshackle buildings sprawled in chaos. Everyone had something for sale. That was the lure of Gagerish. If something was to be found, it was to be found here. The only laws of Gagerish were no kill, no steal. It was written on a sign at the gates above a pile of schools. Boda stood head and shoulders above the crowd, which consisted mostly of hobgoblins and goblins, their smaller cousins. The air was thick with the smoke of cooking fires and torches. What's going on? I can't see. Soze lifted her onto his shoulders. That's more like it. Where to, boss? Do you even know how to get to the Wolfhide compound? I've never been there, but I know it's past the marketplace. Odilla looked around. How can you tell which part of this mess is the marketplace? Boda smiled. It's all the marketplace. Come on, I think it's this way. He set out through the narrow streets, clearing a path with his sheer size. Soze followed in his wake while Odilla rode on his shoulders. Boda strode with more confidence than he felt. He had been in Gagerish for a while, but it was still easy to lose one's way in the winding streets. Sure enough, within a few moments, he was. Lost was a strong term, but he wasn't entirely sure where he was anymore. Odilla pointed at a dozen or so cages hanging in a makeshift plaza. What are those? Boda knew where he was again. It's a particularly cruel form of execution. The prisoners hang there until the elements get them or they die of thirst. Odilla frowned. There's someone in one of them. Boda trudged toward the plaza. From there, he was sure he could get his bearings. I see. Once they reached the plaza, they had a better look at the prisoner. She was a hobgoblin, sitting in silence in her cage, wearing chain armor with a steel breastplate. Her black hair was cut short, and her flattened features were set in a look of grim determination. Also in the plaza were a pair of hobgoblin guards, sitting at the base of the scaffolding that held the cages in the air. They glanced at the trio, then went back to their game of dice. Boda stopped to look around. He was fairly sure the wolf hide compound was to the east from here. 
He tried not to glance at the doomed hobgoblin, but he couldn't help himself. The prisoner looked down at him. Human, I've been falsely imprisoned. I had the right of revenge against a hobgoblin who tried to steal my mogful, an honor dagger I earned through my service to the Choctawed. If you free me, I will owe you a blood debt. There was nothing of begging in her tone. Her words were cool and calm. Odila nudged Boda. She works for the Choctawed, too. You are practically colleagues. Boda frowned at the halfling. I don't work for the Choctawed. Sometimes our goals coincide. That's it. Sure. When your goal is coin and theirs is to send you on an errand. Boda's eyes narrowed. He looked away from Odilla and up at the caged hobgoblin. Won't the family of the hob you killed not come for your blood? The hobgoblin shrugged a shoulder. Better to die in a fight than to rot in a cage. At least I'll die with honor. Boda considered for a moment. I'm Boda. This is Odila and Zos. We're on our way to the wolf hide compound. Huel, and I know where it is. Give us a moment. He walked over to the guards, who looked up from their game with bored annoyance. What do you want? I want to buy that hobgoblin's ransom. The guard peered at Boda. There's no ransom for the doomed. Boda took a coin purse from his belt and jingled it. I don't think you understand. I'd like to pay you the hobgoblin's ransom. Both guards perked up with interest. Then they glanced at one another. They spoke briefly in the goblin tongue, then looked to Boda. Her ransom is twenty gold, ten each. That was usually a fairly steep price, but it turned out Boda was laden with coin. Granted, it was the chocked Tald's coin, but purchasing a guide was surely an acceptable expense. Still, Boda had to make it look like he was being pinched. Otherwise, the guards might catch on that he was loaded, and that was a good way to get stabbed and stolen from in Gagerish. Ten each? I don't know. I could maybe do five. Ten each? She's murdering scum. Boda rubbed his chin, then sighed. Very well. He only counted out his gold from the one purse, and he fretted over each coin to make it look like parting with them was painful. Once ten gold had been placed in each greedy palm, the guards lowered the cage. Huel stood up and stepped out once they opened the door. My dagger. No one said anything about giving back the dagger. Huel lifted her chin. I will have my mogful. Zoes inspected the manicure on his curved black claws. Isn't it a killing offense to steal an honor dagger? The demonborn is right. Boda hadn't known that, but he nodded as well. The guards glanced at each other. The goblin warden shifted his stance. She was going to die anyway. And now she's not. Zoes spoke. His voice was smooth as silk and perfectly amiable. I imagine that Shock Tald would have an opinion about you freeing a doomed prisoner, too, when we went to them about the stolen dagger. The goblin warden scowled, but then he drew an ornate dagger from a scabbard on his hip and handed it over to Huel, who took it, inspected it, and sheathed it. The guard waved them away. Be gone. Our business is concluded. Which way? Huel nodded toward the east. Boda hadn't been so far off after all.
this way. Without another word, she set out in that direction, and the others followed. The wolf-hide compound stood before them, an imposing structure of black stone within a high wall, with wrought iron gates closed firmly and locked. There was a dire wolf pelt hanging from the gates. Permanent buildings, aside from the great keep, were rare in Gagerish. They spoke of incredible wealth, and Boda was starting to wonder if he had enough gold to purchase Elias one dunder. He had to trust that the chalk towel knew the going rate for an enslaved noble brat. There were no guards at the gate. Boda settled into wait when Odilla climbed off Zoe's shoulders, then scaled the wall like it was nothing. Without a word, she disappeared over the top, landing soundlessly on the other side. Through the iron gates, Boda caught a glimpse of her dotting off into the compound. What is she doing? Just getting the lay of the land. She won't get caught. She never does. She got caught at least once. Zoe's tail tip ticked back and forth. That was my fault. I'm not as stealthy as she is, and she wouldn't leave me. She's rather loyal to you. Zoe's lips twitched at a wry smile. We've been through a lot. The war your brother is making has displaced a lot of people. We've both lost everyone else who mattered to us. Boda winced and looked away. I'm sorry, Ed. Zoe's laid a clawed hand on Boda's arm. It's not your fault. I'm the last one who's going to judge you for the actions of your family. My mother is Zignax the Soul Render. Boda glanced at the red fingers giving his arm a gentle squeeze. Is that a demon? Well, she certainly isn't a priestess of goodness and light. Boda smiled. May we both outgrow the legacies of our blood. Hear, hear. Huel didn't seem to pay either of them any attention. She stood at Boda's side, staring straight ahead, her hand resting on the pommel of her dagger. Her only response to their conversation was to glance briefly at Zoe's when he touched Boda. She stood there with the patience of glaciers awaiting someone to come to the gates. Boda lacked her patience. After a while, he gave the great iron gates a rattle to see if it would summon someone. The longer Odilla was in there and supervised, the more nervous he got. Eventually, a pair of hobgoblin guards came to the gate. They were armed with spears, and their chain mail hung heavily on their broad frames. They looked Boda and Zoe's over, then turned their attention to Huel. What is your business? Boda started to reply, but Huel cut him off. We're here to purchase slaves. We have coin. The guards glanced at one another, and then they unlocked the gate and assured the group inside. Boda looked around, hoping to catch sight of Odilla, but she was nowhere to be seen. The interior of the wolf-hide compound was fairly luxurious as far as Gagerish went. The paths were paved with stone, and the structures were solid and permanent. There was an outer wall of stone that surrounded a courtyard. Within the courtyard were cages containing people, mostly human, crammed in and far too crowded. Most of them looked despondent, broken. Boda swallowed the lump rising in his throat. His hands clenched into fists. Some days, 
he wanted to burn Gagerish to the ground. If only this disgusting display could be solved with a swinging sword, but he would be struck down, and the system would continue on as it always had. Boda tried to single out someone in the cages who might look like a noble, but he was distracted by the massive figure sitting at the far end of the courtyard. It would have stood at least twelve feet tall if it had been standing, and it had two heads. Both were fighting over a very dead, very bloody sheep, each trying to take a bite out of it. What is that thing? Huell grunted. Yenton, stupid, but they can be trained to guard. Boda shook his head. Mercy. Not bloody likely. The guards led them to a pavilion with great stone columns and braziers filled with burning coal. At the find, a female hobgoblin draped in fine silks lounged on a chaise, drinking from a silver goblet. She had four armed guards, two on each side of her, and she watched the group approach with idle malevolence. Boda could see it in her beady eyes, that she was assessing his worth in gold. He steeled himself against the anger stirring in his blood. Drawing a blade against a slaver was a good way to get killed, and it served no one to die. At least with the gold in his pouches, one person would go free today. Well, Matt, I am Bode Alliance Stride, and I've come to purchase Elias Wandander. The hobgoblin stroked her chin. I am Danet, the Wandander brat has value. Whoever controls him controls his house and holdings. I can't let him go for less than 400 gold. Boda was used to haggling, but that didn't mean he was any good at it. I can't part with 400 gold. I can give you 250. Danet snorted. Do you take me for a fool? I could get twice that if I wanted. Boda fumed flustered to be bottering over a human life in the first place. When he failed to reply, Zoe stepped forward. Lady Dennett, please excuse my colleague. He meant no insult. While it's true Elias Wandander has value, we have heard that he is, how would you say, high maintenance. While it's true you could eventually get a higher price, what would he cost you in the meantime? What we offer, with our meager 250, is good riddance. Boda glanced at Zoe's from the corner of his eye. The demon-born's voice was like liquid velvet, and there was a power to it. The sound went right to Boda's head, and he found himself wanting to listen. Everything the demon-born said made so much sense. Dimly, he realized Zoe's was using some demon-born trick, but he didn't care. It felt good to listen to him. Danet squinted at Zoe's. He is a nuisance, highborns tend to be. We've had to put a spellbinder on him, because he enjoys setting things on fire a little too much. Zoe smiled, and it was a radiant smile, a reassuring smile that conveyed that he was surely negotiating in good faith. Exactly so. Surely 250 will be sufficient to be rid of such a pest. While Huell stood beside him, impassive, Boda shifted his weight from one foot to the other, and he watched the exchange between Zoe's and Danet with some trepidation. If the Hobgoblin realized she was being influenced by the demon-born's power, it could end badly for everyone involved. Still, 
He kept quiet and let the crimson-skinned devil say his piece. Danit spat to one side. 300. Final offer. Soze glanced to Boda, and Boda nodded. He had paid for Hole's freedom from his own gold, so the 300 set aside for Elias one dunder had gone untouched. Zoe smiled at Danit. 300. Sold. Wait. Boda turned to see who had shouted and saw a pale lady with long white blonde hair and luminous blue eyes. She was graceful as a willow as she strode forward. She was easily the most beautiful creature Boda had ever seen in his life, except perhaps for Zoe's. Her ears tapered to points, and her brow was furrowed and severe. She was dressed in sky-blue silks, and her dainty feet were clad in shimmering silvery sandals. She strode up to Boda and Zoe's, regarded each of them with indifference, and spoke to Danit. I want to buy the Wandander human. Hewer let out a quiet hiss at the sight of the elvish woman, and she shifted slightly so that she stood between Boda and the newcomer. Boda and Zoe's exchanged glances again, this time in dismay. My lady, I'm afraid the Wandander human has already been purchased. The lady shot Zoza scowl. I don't care, I'll pay more. What is the going price? Danit rubbed her hands together. My lady elf, Mistra of the Dark Court. These two were insisting on a measly 300. I'll pay four. Danit steepled her stubby fingers. I'm listening. Mistra clapped her delicate hands and called out over her shoulder. Bring me my coffer. There were two elves, servants by their plain clothing, who stepped forward sheepishly. We can't find it, my lady. Miss Ray's brow furrowed. What do you mean you can't find it? We were guarding it, and it disappeared. Boda looked around, and his stomach went cold as he saw Odilla in the shadows, waving to him with a bright smile on her face. In a low tone, he whispered to Zoe's. Odila, I'm not surprised. She's going to get us killed. Zoe shrugged. She might have just secured our wand and Boda sighed and looked straight ahead as Odila once again disappeared from view. Danit waved the elf lady away. Don't waste my time. If you don't have the money, be gone. Mistress stabbed a finger at Boda and Zoe's. They're responsible. Somehow, they've stolen from me. I demand they be arrested. My lady, we've been right here the whole time. Boda kept his mouth shut. Hole's hand strayed toward the dagger at her belt. Who stole from whom isn't my concern. Pay me or be gone. Soze nudged Boda with an elbow. Pay the lady, Boda. Boda stepped forward and offered the large, laden pouch of gold to Danit. For the Wandander man. Mistra balled her hands into fists. I demand someone arrest these thieves. Be gone, Lady Mistra, until you have coin. A pair of hobgoblin guards stepped forward to take the gold from Boda. Danit nodded at them, and one departed to the slave cages on the other side of the Oten, who continued eating its sheep as it watched the proceedings. The guard came back with a flailing human in rags that used to be fine clothes. His blonde hair was dirty and his beard was overgrown. He had an iron collar around his neck that had rubbed his skin raw, 
and his hands were bound. The guard shoved him toward Boder and Zoes. He lost his footing, tumbled to the ground, then whipped around to look at Mistra. Did Aunt Vivian send you? She'll do anything for my title. The collared man sharked and at a murderous look. You will pay for this. Danat waved a hand. They will, and they already have. He's all yours. Mistra curled her lip at the yellow-haired youth. My business is my own, brat. Boda stepped forward to take off the iron collar. There was a latch that had a trick to it, but he managed to undo it. The thing thrummed with magic, and he didn't trust it. As soon as the collar was off, Elias one Dunder got to his feet, pointed a finger at Danit, and started chanting. Shez I trick you, Tanit. Zoes grabbed his arm and forced it down to his side, then restrained him when he tried to break away. No you don't, no magic, or you get the restraining core again. Unhand me. One Dunder struggled. He wasn't a weak man by any stretch and it took all of Zoe's strength and his prehensile tail to hold Elias back. Mistra came forward and shoved Boda. It was like a sparrow trying to move a bear. Give him to me. Boda stood there, holding the restraining collar. He was reluctant to strike a lady, even if she was with the dark court and was trying to steal from him. Huel had no such hesitation. She stepped between Mistra and Boda. That is the last time you will lay hands upon him. Danit clapped her hands. All of you, get out of my compound. That's when everything fell apart. It started with Elias breaking free from Zoes in a burst of desperation. He pointed at Danit and finished his chant. A bolt of fire shot out from his fingertips, striking her in the chest. She slumped over in her chair, smouldering. Then Lady Mistra turned a ring on her finger, and a wall of force flattened everyone to the ground. She yelled for her servants to secure one dunder and take him away. The hobgoblin guards, upon seeing their boss murdered in front of them, drew steel and began to yell for the rest of the guards. Boda drew his sword and took up a defensive position. Huel drew her dagger, and Zoe's eyes gleamed golden as he leapt at Mistra and began to tussle. Then the Eoten stood up. Its shadow fell upon the hall. Boda could only spare it a glance before his attention was drawn back to a pair of hobgoblin guards rushing him and Huel. Huel stepped forward and deftly dispatched one of them with the slash of her dagger across his throat. Boda crossed swords with the other, trying to push him back. He was less eager to draw blood than Huel, who swiveled about and killed the second guard with a slashing from behind. Zoes ducked and dodged, and he dragged Elias one dunder toward the exit. Let us take our leave, Boda. Let me go, I'll kill them all. Lady Mistra was nowhere to be seen. Her and her guards had simply disappeared. The shadow of the Eoten moved, but Boda could only guess at where the behemoth was going. The battle was growing louder. There were more voices, more bodies. Boda noticed there were unwashed humans, bedraggled goblins, 
and even a dwarf in rags running about. Then he stole a glimpse of Odilla at the slave cages, picking locks as fast as her little fingers would allow. Throw the gates! Boda backed in that direction, fending off more guards with his sword while Huel made quick work of the ones foolish enough to get too close. When there was finally a break in the fighting, Boda turned to run toward the gates. The air was knocked out of him as something hit him hard, and he went down on the cobblestones. As he struggled to catch his breath, he saw a half-eaten sheep laying beside him. The Eoten bellowed and hurled the other half of its sheep, and it splatted on the stones beside Boda's head. He scrambled to his feet only to be face to face with a hobgoblin pointing a sword at his chest. Enough. A voice came from the chair where Danity's body slumped. Boda slowly turned to see a massive ogre in armor, armed with a wicked, curving blade. He stood at the chair, and with the point of his blade, he pushes Danity's body onto the floor. Then he took her seat, and he looked out at the array of slaves, guards and buyers, all of whom were staring at him. My name is Nog. I was the captain of the guard. Now I'm in charge. Does anyone have a problem with that? The guards looked at each other. Most of them shrugged. Hobgoblins were loyal to whoever paid their wages, as a general rule. Elias started to say something, but Zoe's clamped a hand over his mouth. Nog nodded. That's what I thought. Now, you... Nog pointed his sword at Boda. Leave the gold, take your slaves, and go. But the murder of Danet. Nargach to an old eyebrow. Was she murdered? Unfortunate accidents happen all the time. Boda nodded and decided not to argue the point. He looked around. All right, slaves, gather at the gate. Elias, leave well enough alone. Lulula, don't touch anything. He glanced to Zoe's, who nodded to him. All right, let's go. This is where we part. I saved your life. Our pact is fulfilled. I will remain and earn my keep. Bowden nodded to her. Thank you, Hall. She grunted and turned to walk toward Narg, kneeling before him. Bowden led his group to the score or so of huddled slaves waiting at the gate. You are free. He took his Cohen purse from his belt. Split what's in here. It's all I have. He figured it would set them up with a few silver pieces each. While the slaves divided the coins, he spoke to Elias. Providing you can keep your temper, you'll be free as well. Let's see. We're broke. We have no prospects. And that Choctaw thinks we should leave Gagerish for a while. Sounds like a job well done. The quartet sat at an outdoor table of a tavern in the market district. Elias sat with them in his finery, casting an unfriendly eye at passers-by. With a shave and a decent night's sleep, he cleaned up pretty well, but his regard was impetuous and arrogant. Boda shrugged. We got paid enough to have a drink. It's something. I for one can't wait to get out of here for a bit, though I admit, Gagerish has been friendlier to me than the human lands across the sea. Yes. But without any money, where are we going to go? Now that I'm free and have regained my title, 
We can accomplish what I came here for. You will dine with me tonight and we will discuss our plans. Boda and the other two exchanged glances. That's kind of you to offer, Lord Wandander, but we will still need a means to earn coin. There was a gleam in the spellcaster's eye. Oh, I'll have jobs for you. It'll be ever so much fun. Against his misgivings, Boda sighed. Soz, Odila, what do you think? It sounds like utter chaos. I'm in. Where he goes, I go. Boda sighed again. Then I guess we're going with you, Lord Wandander.